The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. It is often hard to believe that human trafficking, forced labor, and sexual trafficking, all forms of modern slavery, happen right here in the U.S. Today, we are going to face the reality of sexual trafficking and learn about a powerful program, the LifeWays Network, a global movement aimed at ending sexual trafficking and reclaiming lives. We are so fortunate that our guest today is Marion A.R. Kendall. Marion is the Chief Executive Officer of LifeWay Network, an organization that confronts the reality of human trafficking every day by changing the future for women survivors. Marion is going to offer us an inside look at sexual trafficking and a look at the program which uses trauma-focused approaches to support and help women become part of a safe community as a way to reclaim a loving and powerful sense of self. Marion A.R. Kendall holds a degree as a social worker, and she's the chief executive officer of LifeWay Network. The LifeWay Network offers both a safe housing program and an education program for survivors of human trafficking. Marion works from a philosophy of leadership that emphasizes equity, transparency, authenticity, and a commitment to enhance social justice within the spheres in which survivors of human trafficking live, work, and serve. Marion was recently inducted as a new abolitionist, along with many survivors and advocates in the anti-trafficking community. They are all working to end modern slavery as it unfolds in terms of human trafficking. Marion Kendall, it is my privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much, Dr. Phillips. It's my pleasure um, being here as well. And I'm so excited to share some of the experiences at LifeWay Network and the work that we have done and continue to do to combat human trafficking in the United States, preferably here in New York. Thank okay. you. So You're welcome. So, Marion, let's start with that very question. How would you define human trafficking? Well, I'm going to define it in a way that um, I'm hoping your audience can really connect with. And that is human trafficking is the business of stealing freedom for profit. In some cases, traffickers trick, defraud, or physically force victims into selling sex. In other, in other cases, victims are lied to, assaulted, threatened, or manipulated into working under inhumane, illegal, or otherwise unacceptable conditions. In it is a multi-million dollar criminal industry that denies freedom to over 404 million, 40 million, I should say, million people around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can I can go a little bit as uh, and share a little bit about the global uh, prevalence of trafficking. So there are about 40.3 million victims of slavery around the world. 15.4 million are in forced marriage. 
24.9 million are in forced labor, and 160 million children are in are labor trafficked. 79 million of those are in hot hazardous work condition. Women and girls account for 71% of human trafficking victims, and one in every four victims are children. Mm. And in the United States, Sue, as of 2020, human trafficking was reported in all 50 states. Wow. Five states, California, Texas, Florida, New York, Georgia, and Ohio. And New York seems to consistently rank in the top five. So let me ask you this, because I'm sure all of us are anxious with just the reality of this horror of human trafficking. It's been my experience when I've, I've had other people on the show that often people in being trafficked, Marion, are afraid to come forward. They're not even quite sure if they could ever get out. They almost at times bond with those who are mistreating and making money from sexual trafficking. So my first question is, how do people come to the Lifeway Network? And my my backup question to that is whether you are an education, a person in education, social work, a Boy Scout, um, um, you know, leader, a church member, what are the signs that you would see if it's this prevalent? What are the kinds of signs people might see, Mary, and that would make them think, wait a minute, is something going on with this teen? Absolutely. And thank you for asking those questions. I will first start by saying um, survivors of trafficking are referred to Lifeway Network from various partners, many different organizations who identify trafficking victims and then seek out to find them supportive care, supportive housing, supportive education, and so forth. And they're referred to us in that way. Sometimes a person picks up the phone and calls Lifeway and asks to be serviced, and we support them in that capacity. But if you are an educator, you are uh, in the clergy, um, whatever the modality of, of or discipline you are in, if you are suspecting a person to be trafficked, there are some red flags. There are some signs to look out for that that are seen in both adults and in children, such as um, if the adult has no control over his or her finance, um, withholding of their passport, green card, IDs, or any kind of um, identification that they would carry on themselves. Or sometimes there are few or no personal belongings. Sometimes children in school may have... Um, Lots of hotel keys, um, cell phones, limited knowledge of their whereabouts, confined to their workplace. Or sometimes you will find suspicious um, jewelry and or branding or tattoos on a person. One prevalent tattoo that's usually um, branded on women, men or children is a tattoo of, um, actually, I, let me rephrase that, on children specifically, is a tattoo of a lollipop in the mouth of a girl or, or a boy, indicating to a trafficker that this is a child, this is a person that they can prostitute and how much they can prostitute this person. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's chronic running away from home or foster care, injuries that are unexplained and many other unexplained school absences. Mm -hmm. um, the list goes on, Sue. But if you if you were to go to LifewayNetwork.com, um, you would find all of those red flags on our website as well. Okay. So let, let's go to the Lifeway Network. Um, who started the Lifeway Network, Marion? 
Lifeway was founded by Sister Joan Dauber from the Sisters of Charity of Halifax. Sister Joan, um, I think in 2006, got together with a few other congregations to address human trafficking and do something about it. And that's really important to to want to do something about it. So we've been in operation for the last 15 years, and Sister Joan has moved on as founder, continues to be founder, but moved on as the executive director um, and completely supports us throughout this mission. And our mission is to eradicate human trafficking um, by providing safe housing and education to the general public. And I want to ask you, from what I know about you, Marion, we spoke about it a little. In your own way, you know both sides of this. You know some aspects of what it's like to be trafficked or misused, and you know what it's like to help and save lives. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, one of the things we've learned in the trafficking space is that trafficking isn't unique to um, foreign countries. It's very much so unique to the United States and to every um, every county. Um, trafficking is absolutely one of the most horrendous things that can happen to people. It's not something they grow up to become or go into. It happens to them. And I do have that personal experience of knowing that through um, through my family of being uh, trafficked um, in some way, shape, or form. So that wasn't only the reason why I got into this work. Um, I spent my years as a clinician working in mental health, um, prison populations, supporting um, sex offenders or people who have trafficked women. And after a very long time of not seeing any kind of result in that space, I decided that I would channel my ability to support, to advocate, and to help women by coming to Lifeway. So my my coming to Lifeway was to purposefully support women who have been impacted by trafficking and help them reframe that experience of exploitation. Okay. So if if someone comes to Lifeway and... Do they do people come to Lifeway and embrace it right away? Or tell us a little bit about what it means to come to Lifeway. But maybe let me back myself up a bit. Tell us about the two aspects of the programs in Lifeway, the self safe housing and the education program, Marion. Absolutely. Um we offer education and safe housing. So our safe housing program supports women in four different areas. And the first is life skills. Um, And the second, healing, third, community and economic empowerment. But I wanna talk a little bit about life skills. Sometimes when a person uh, is impacted by trafficking, if they have been led into trafficking at 13, 14, 15 or so, their formative years and their developmental growth is is interrupted through that traumatic experience. And sometimes that person now becomes an adult and their simple task that adult isn't able to um, do on their own, such as washing their clothes and learning how to separating those clothes or learning how to bank, learning how to negotiate um, uh, with their employees, learning how to pay their rent. So those life skills are so important to a survivor when they arrive at Lifeway and healing can happen for each one of them in, an, in a traditional space and a non-traditional space. The traditional is, of course, seeking out behavioral health from a professional. 
and the non-traditional could be meditation, yoga, gardening, um, art therapy, music, cooking can be such a healing experience for the women. And being in community, having dinner and lunch or breakfast together, those are things that ha they have not experienced in a very long time or have been interrupted in their um, developmental uh, space and also empowering the women to be self-sufficient, learning how to budget, learning how to bank, learning how to job, job hunt, learning how to put a resume together, interview and so forth. And so with the, these four components of our program, I think it really addresses dignity and care. Do you find, let me just ask you this, Marion, do you find, I remember Rachel Lloyd talking about the GEMS program, that some of the girls were very torn. They wanted to be there, but they still had this notion that the pimp or something on the outside was drawing them back. Do you see that conflict of trust in terms of the, sometimes the trafficked life is the familiar one, as horrendous as it is, and as opposed to the coming together in a, you know, a wholesome therapeutic way. Do you see some of the women torn? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the trafficking life is extremely familiar. Coming out from that familiar situation to something that's unfamiliar where you're finding or where you might see people caring for you, um, helping you to be grounded, that could be very scary in an uncontrolled environment um, for the women. So we've had women who weren't ready to be in the program and they moved on, um, but our doors are always open for them for when they are ready. But naturally, okay. most of the women who are referred to us have had some level of exit, whether it is um, maybe a few weeks, um, a few months before they're coming to us. And some women come to us 48 hours 24 hours or 72 hours right out of the traffic, right out of the trafficking experience. So it varies depending on the um, the need of the woman. What's the most common way a woman is referred to you, Marion? Through our partner agencies, um, such as Safe Horizon in New York or Sanctuary <laughs> for Families, those agencies are the first to uh, encounter the woman and LifeWay becomes their support once they encounter the woman. So they come through a referral system. Okay. We, we're going to take a brief break before that. But before that, I, I want to mention a few things. We want you to know that the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. And LifeWayNetwork.com is the site that's Marion's site, and that's the one you can go to where there are tools for referral, tools for self-care, all, all types of very important information related. There are even ways to donate if you think that that is something you'd want to do. We've been speaking with Marion Kendall, the Chief Executive Officer of the LifeWay Network. She's also a new abolitionist with the goal of helping people step out of the slavery of human trafficking. We have much more to share. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. 
Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Marion Kendall, the Chief Executive Officer of the Lifeway Network. And just as a sidebar, I just asked Marion if she would share exactly to whom you might refer a youngster that you might be dealing with that lives in your neighborhood, that is in your um, class. That I, I wanted her to let you know ways for you to interrupt the human trafficking cycle. Sometimes small steps are big steps. Uh, Marion, what do you suggest people do in terms of maybe their concern is unwarranted, but they just feel they have to say something or do something? So who do you think they should contact? I think before they can contact anyone is to not make um, assumptions can be very detrimental to people. Um, but to build some level of of relationship with the person to gain their trust. Um, naturally, we would think when you see something, you'll call the police right away. Um, with trafficking survivors and victims and in, 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 or suspect uh, trafficking victims, that might not necessarily be the best um, uh, the best thing to do. But we what I would encourage is to reach out to local organizations such as Lifeway. Um, if you're in the school system, connect with your school social worker, your, your teachers. Um, and if the teachers are the ones doing that referral or seeing that kind of um, suspect that kind of behavior uh, in a student, there's so many things that you can do by connecting a, a program like Lifeway. And we can provide you with the guidance and how you can build a level of trust 
and assess the child in a different way that can um, support him or her uh, so that they're not being traumatized or trafficked. So um, I would say reach out to organizations like Lifeway Network. Um, and sometimes the police department does have a 411 hotline where you can ask for guidance and support or a social worker, and they will provide you with some care in that space. But rather than making a 911 call because you're suspecting um, a child is being abused, that could be very dangerous for that person. Okay, thank you so much. So let's go back to life with um, the the Lifeway Network and what happens and how women find themselves. So how long are most people with you in residence in, in the safe housing program? Um, they're with us for 12 months. And that's naturally not how any system works that supports survivors or support anybody in trauma. Um, programs are not necessarily a, a 12-month or a year program. It's usually less than that. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the group and community healing. What are the types of programs, um, or you call them restorative circles? Tell us a little bit of the ingredients of Lifeway. Well, Lifeway is so unique that it is not a shelter. It is a home. It is organized just like any compassionate, loving, and warm home is. Living room, dining room, kitchen, um, bedrooms, and it's situated with the clinical uh, director of social work and house managers and uh, an enormous amount of residential aides. We call them care supporters in the environment. And everyone cohabitates in, um, in a working uh, relationship with the residents in the safe house. So a natural day for a resident in the environment is just as you wake up in the morning, um, make breakfast, have lunch or dinner. Some go out to work, some go on to schooling, some who are not working, some who don't have a documented status could be um, provided with different kinds of programming in the environment, such as ESL. Some women uh, are not uh, who are not working get to learn about resume building, um, job interviewing strategies, and so forth. So those are some of the restorative programs we have in the environment. And also part of that restorative um uh, programming that we have in the environment, women also learn how to resolve conflicts with one another in that space. And restorative justice has been used for or in the juvenile system um, to help children gain trust and learn how to communicate their needs effectively um, with caregivers and, and so forth. And so we apply the same method in the environment because every woman depending on their situation, are not at the same stage of healing um, in the house. And so some might have the maturity to go out and find employment and be very successful. And some might need a little bit more support in, in, in developing those kinds of skill set. Um, mm -hmm. So part of that is resolving conflicts amount themselves, um, discussing the impact of of their own trauma in that group space. And it's it's very closed and very protective space for the survivors when they are a part of it. I remember you told me, and as people, our listeners know that I'm a pretty big group person, I believe in the power of group to heal. I remember you telling me something about a method in which people take turns in a community group, something that 
you know, when you've been living under an authoritative, harsh, punitive ruler, you wouldn't know anything about this. Maybe talk a little bit about the group um, sharing. Well, that's you're you're absolutely right. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard Sue about the Peace Rock or yes. Peace Study. So when the women are uh, participating in this group setting, some of the guidelines about the group is how to how to interrupt, how to exit a conversation. So each woman uh, in that space gets a turn to carry the, we don't have a peace lily for this one, we call it a peace rock. So when one woman is holding the peace rock, she is, she is now the person who is sharing and the rest of the women in the environment will have learned how to be still and listen to that person. When that person finished sharing um, and puts the, the peace rock down, someone or any one of the women uh, can pick up that rock and respond. So it's like learning boundaries, learning um, impulse control. <laughs> There's so many things that's being learned in 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 the restorative group, and I find that it's so. I find that it might not look or seem as if it's a sophisticated method of of getting women together to talk about their trauma, talk about their experiences, and even talk about ways they want they envision their lives, but. It's absolutely a beautiful experience for each one of them. Sometimes it's very emotional. Sometimes it's not. But one thing I know that comes out of that is every woman would say to me and to themselves and to the staff at that moment, they felt heard. Mm -hmm. They were listened to, which is a big deal. Yes. Marianne, do you find that there's some point in the healing where the women tell the group or even a few of the other women, their own st- their story of trafficking. Absolutely. And Sue, because the women room with each other in either a single room or a double space, we tend to help look at the survivors and look at what similarity, what support they can provide for each other and sort of like group them in that space or ask whether or not in the environment, if they've built a relationship how they like to um, room in, in the space. And we find that women, the person that rooms with them or the person they live with, the people they live with, have something in common. They've all been exploited. They all have an experience of trafficking and they're learning that they're not the only one that's ever mm. experienced. So it's mm. a huge support system for each other. Um, they build friendship and eventually what we have seen um, some have moved out into the community and 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 room with each other or live with one another. Mm. That's the family that they have. Yes, created. a second chance family, of course. Yes, we know that neurophysiologically, when someone can share their trauma story to someone else who cares, it changes, it lifts, it becomes integrated. They don't have to hide it. It's a, it's very therapeutic in a very informal way, but it's incredibly powerful what you're sharing. Absolutely. And we find that when the women do share their stories, they share it from the place of where they are currently. And they uh-huh. don't go on about the experience and how they were abused in that experience. They seem to hone in on their own um, humanity and they see themselves in such a dignified way that they relate to the world from where they're at. And in social work, we always say we meet our clients where they're at, right. us where they're at in their in their journey in um, in healing. Well, you you list different stages of healing 
in terms of the the experience in in life um, way network. Um, can you speak a little bit about those those four victim, survivor, thriver, and leader? Absolutely, I strongly believe that a survivor's journey in a survivor's journey, the healing environment initiates a relationship between the survivor and the care professional that serves to restore trust and increase their alliance and support and so forth. And so when the person comes into the environment, the the beginning stage is the victimhood, right? The victimology. Sometimes that's the person who's being exploited, isolated and afraid and is very guarded. Once they arrive at life where they're coming to us as a survivor, they're focused on base they're focused on basic need um, needs. Trust is limited. If any, hope for the uh, moment, and they build in some connections in that space. And when they exit our program, we are hoping, our hope is for their future. Uh, They transition into a thriver space. Mm. And a thriving space is hope for the future, trust for self and others, seeks relationship with others. And after exiting from Lifeway, a a survivor, a survivor goes from, um, a survivor comes from, a survivor can then become a leader, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can become a leader. Um, she can become a beacon of her own hope. And mm-hmm. hope for others reflects on the time um, of being a victim and a survivor with empathy and strength for herself. And eventually that survivor who is, who is then a thriver and a leader goes into this, this uh, fifth uh, space so that we call the leader thriver, where they contributes to the family um, community. They're in this advocacy space. They're so centered um, with clarity and so forth. So they're, you know, they're still moving in that space. And as we both know, healing happens on a continuum and it's lifelong. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were mentioned before the show started that um, Savannah Sanders, who's also a survivor and who does wonderful work, um, she says that. With runaways, within 48 hours at least, and you said it was more than one in four, she said one in four end up being sexually trafficked. So with that as a backdrop, Mary, and I'm, I'm just thinking, do your women reconnect with their families of origin at any point in their process with you, or are they completely start new lives and, and these second chance families with the other women? Many of the women are reconnecting currently with um, their family. Some have not had any connections with their family. We really push family reunification, but we push that if the woman is, if that's something that she wants as well. Mm -hmm. But naturally the women move on to create their own family and their own stability in the environment. And, Mm -hmm. um, and as they continue that healing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you find that a woman really just can't get along with the other women or they're very um, torn with whether to go back into the life or they're just simply very, very emotionally compromised, what happens then? We have had experiences in the environment where women have been torn between um, the experience and being in the safe housing program and have not been able to get along with with some of the other residents. And if you know any kind of congregate living, those are things that would naturally happen in those environments. Um, I think what we try to do is help, we push and help the woman 
as far as she allows us. And at some mm. point, if she doesn't want that for herself, then we will help find her um, a different kind of support system that might meet her needs. But we never abandon the woman or terminate a woman from our environment simply because she's unable to get along with her and maybe emotionally or traumatically compromised. We don't terminate people for those reasons. Our whole goal is to house and housing is so important. And we will definitely find another safe housing program that could be a higher barrier, might have more um, provisions or caregivers with extensive um, supportive background to help her in that capacity. And we have done so. And those folks are thriving in their new environment. Oh, great. Well, the other thing you mentioned to me is that you make use of outside referral sources in terms of um, physicians, therapists, etc. They will be referred for therapy if they need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we have, we don't provide uh, primary case management. So every woman who's referred to LifeWay has a primary case management agency Mm -hmm. that supports in those referrals. We support secondary um, counseling in our environment with the women, but every woman is linked to a behavioral health specialist or um, is managed um, uh, for pharmacology uh, through a psychiatrist. So everybody's hooked up to services. And there are times you should know, you know this in the environment, that some folks do not see themselves as needing those kinds of support. And it takes time. Sometimes the ones who need it the most are most reticent in, in, in daring to trust somebody. So it becomes a little bit difficult. But you sound very patient. It sounds like the entire program works to align themselves to the needs of the women. It's not that the women are being forced into or pigeonholed into your steps. It sounds like that you're aligning and supporting them in terms of where they are. Absolutely. And I think that's what separates us. And that's what makes our program unique. It's not a shelter. It's not governed by shelter policies. It's governed from a uh, survivor centered perspective where we bring the survivors into how we create policies to support the organization and support them. And the main goal of our policies is to uh, resist re-traumatizing the women in any way, mm-hmm. shape, and form. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the percentage of women who come into the program, Marion, and stay that whole year and get the benefits of the program? What percentage do you think of retention do you have? We have 100% retention, and I'm very <laughs> proud of that because we are not a, we're not a program that houses uh, 200 women or 500 women. We're a program that houses a small number of women, 16 women per year. And the quality of care that we provide to 16 women and at different times of the year, that number varies. But the quality of care that we provide for the women sets them up to re-enter society um, with a strong foundation. And the foundation is, is, is practically embedded in their ability to negotiate the world. And whatever mm. comes their way, they will have the tools to be able to support themselves. And even once they exit LifeWay, we have an aftercare program where we stay in contact with each woman for a year 
post their exit and support them in whatever their needs are so that they don't return to the compelling trafficking situation. Great. We're going to have to take a break. It's just, it's fabulous. It's fabulous what you've been describing. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're going to take a break. We are with Marion Kendall, the Chief Executive Officer of the Lightway Network. We've been hearing about the details. It's extraordinary, the care that they're giving women so that they can step out of the slavery of human trafficking. We want you to remember and consider that the hotline for human trafficking is 1-888-373-7888. And LifewayNetwork.com is a place online that you can go to find many tools and much more information that you may need or that you may be interested in finding. Stay with us. We have more to come. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're here with Marianne Kendall, and we're really looking very closely at an unbelievable program offered by the Lifeway Network. Um, and Marion, I was asking you, and maybe you can share with our listeners, how many women have come through, um, you mentioned from 2007? Since then, we have housed 140 plus women from 34 countries. So then the question is, are most of the women that you're sheltering 
immigrants or are they American citizens? What's that look like? We have an equal number of immigrant women and an equal number of American citizens, born American citizens. So we were talking a little bit at the break. This is very different than a shelter, a temporary shelter. These women, and I think they're so fortunate to find this program, they get an opportunity to be reimmersed in a family where they cook and clean and fight together and laugh together and try jobs and come back. But they get to be almost reparented and to have a new family experience. It's like starting again. Absolutely. Uh, the houses provide far more than than simply shelter. They, they're homes where survivors live in community and are provided with the resources they need to rebuild their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important. You know, I can give you a story about a woman who wakes up wakes up late in the morning and one woman cooking and the aroma of the, the food one of the survivors cooks in the house stimulates this woman who is a late wake, a person who wakes up late to come downstairs. And one day I was in the kitchen listening to stories and, and this woman came downstairs and not knowing that I was sitting there, just stretched, took a deep, big yawn and just said, this always reminds me of when I was a little girl and my mom cooked in the kitchen mm. and she comes downstairs every morning during that time so that she can be a part of that what wow. she as a family. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing space mm. for people to learn how to be with one another. Now, Marion, you mentioned, and I want to be sure we talk about, that you also have a program for LBGTQ um, folks and transgender. Oh, Could we talk well, a little we about that? Yes, we don't have a program specifically for this community, but we have um, we have supported this community in our safe housing program. Um, uh, we have taken in transgender um, person in our program in the past. And it just saddens me that there are not many programs um, that's available for the LGBTQI community. And also, so you talked a little bit about men. We provide for women survivors of human trafficking. There are also men survivors of human trafficking. And I think it's 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 a disadvantage for them because they cycle in and out of the, the general shelter, but mm. not specific spaces for them to heal. Mm. But so you're saying um, a person could possibly come and be in your home, um, a trans woman. She could be within the shelter or within your network, Lifeway yes. Network. Okay. So that is something probably people don't know. And that's a really good thing for people to know. Absolutely. And so we've been successful in supporting um, a woman, a transgender woman in the space. What would you say would be the best suggestion you would give someone if they did have a relative who was a man or an agency called you about a man? What, what is a step for a, for a man who's been in, been trafficked to take? I think because of the bureaucracy, I think the first step would be to have that documented identification. Um, and there are programs that have that do the assessment to document uh, a true survivor of trafficking. Um, and I think they would certainly try their best to find a space for this person if general shelter is not an option um, for them. But 
I wouldn't be able to tell you where those specific programs are because they are very limited um, for men uh, impacted by trafficking. Okay. What would you say is the average age of your residents? It has varied. Uh, Every year it varies. Some years the women are between 18 and 24. Other years the women are in their late 50s, um, entering, uh, getting into their 60s. Um, But I would say like the general consensus that we've had over the years, the women have been somewhere between um, 30 and 35 years of age. Mm -hmm. Now, does the LifeWay Network work that you do, how does that interface with being a new abolitionist? Maybe tell us a little bit about that. It it interfaces very well (laughs) because it is a part of um, the new abolitionists are made up of survivors who have been victims, survivors, thrivers, and now they're leaders in the anti-trafficking movement, advocating for um, legislation for survivors and uh, other people impacted by gender-based violence. So my my position as an abolitionist um, uh, comes from the work that I am doing. So this is advocacy. The work that LifeWay does is eradicating human trafficking. And we do so again by providing that safety, that psychological safety, that home, that house, for women with all the resources in between. And we successfully watch them thrive and become leaders as they exit Lifeway Network. So a part of the abolitionist is helping women to reclaim their lives and reframe their experiences of exploitation. And so I fit right in there because Mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. How, How would people find out about new abolitionists and their whole journey and their, um, you know, a commitment. How would people find out or reach out for them if they wanted more information on that, Marion? Uh, the new abolitionist, you can go to um, the new abolitionist.com uh, and you will find a great number of resources and ways to get involved on the website. Um, I am one of the co chair of the New York State Anti Trafficking Coalition. And you can find us on the web as well and all of the resources to get involved, to support and how you yourself can become one of those abolitionists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if I were to say to you, what has been one of the most inspiring things that you've experienced over the course of your work with Lifeway Networks, what would it be? I would say it's being in community with the survivors of human trafficking. Because of my lived experience and professional experience, it it gives me such a, a bird's eye view in how survivors of trafficking thrive in a loving, caring, and supportive environment. Um, the best part of my time with the organization throughout my days when I eat with the women, I have lunch with them or have dinner with them, or when they come to the main office and we have a day of self-care with one another. And I find the effortlessness in them sharing their stories with me and and believing that the work we're doing here will support them. So it's being in community with the women, my favorite mm-hmm. part. Okay. So given your knowledge of trafficking, of you, of this modern slavery, what would you say to the rest of us in terms of prevention? You've seen 
them come from this trafficking. You've seen how scarred they are. You've seen how they recovered. What do people need to do to begin to prevent this extreme trafficking and the numbers and the millions of people involved? What what would you say? Because sometimes small is big. What, What might people do? Well, one of the things I recognize when talking to the general public is how, what can I do? How do I know someone is being trafficked? Once you give me all of these red flags and I don't see any of those things, um, what can I do? Um, and it's very hard to spot a trafficking uh, victim and the person will not identify themselves as, as being enslaved or a victim of human trafficking. Um, I would say the best thing that we can do if we are suspecting or we want to help is to be a good listener, to not rush to uh, jump to conclusion, is to be empathetic and listen. And if you're not able to understand where and what you can do, reach out to the people who are able to do so. And maybe you will find the support that you are looking for in order to help an individual. But I would say not to rush to judgment and assume the person is a victim and not to rush to judgment in um, seeking help in ways that might be harmful. Right. They've been so oppressed that if getting help becomes oppressive, we're right back where we started. And and you can really understand why trust would be something that would really take some time to build. So you're saying take small steps in building a trusting bond, and maybe that would be a way to help. Absolutely. Even I consider life an expert in the anti-trafficking movement. Even we wouldn't be able to tell you, here's a specific thing you should do because it's all about trust. Okay. Uh, and if it's eroded, then it's we, you're never going to be able to help a person. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to stop for today. This has been an incredible show, Marion. I want to thank you for coming on. And I want to thank you and your staff for the paths you've provided for women to find hope and embrace new lives. It's a remarkable program. And I want our listeners to know LifewayNetworks.com is the place to find it. Again, our National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. If someone wants to find any information about you, Marion, I assume they do it through LifewayNetwork.com. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I want to thank you again, and I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast by 5 o'clock this evening, Eastern Time. This show will be a podcast on your iPhone on every platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, Google Play. It'll be a podcast for you to hear and share. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please be safe. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.